We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church this morning. So let's turn our Bibles to Ezekiel 38. If you would join me there in Ezekiel 38, we have a quite interesting portion of Scripture that is one of those prophetic passages that befuddles some, and others find all kinds of interesting things that are either in there or maybe not in there whatsoever. So, uh, yes, let us uh, read Ezekiel 38. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, G-O-G, not God, but Gog, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, I'm not 100% sure about this, but quite sure. When you use the word Rosh there, you know, you might think Rosh. What does that sound like? Hmm. But actually, it's from the word that means head or chief. Uh, the word for the Jewish New Year is what, Anne? Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. That's the new year. I know I can go to Anne for those kinds of questions. She has that uh, down pat. So Rosh, uh, Rosh could be the chief priest, the priest who is the Rosh. Or here, I think it is the chief prince, the Rosh prince, the chief prince or head prince of Meshach and Tubal. Uh, not, so it's not three groups, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, but two, and he's the chief prince of them. And say, verse 3 says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the, the prince of Rosh, or again, I think better translated, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And in the midst of all that potential confusion, don't miss this. When God says, I am against you, man, look out. God is against you? I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling, handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north, and all its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many people with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. 
you will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them. And it will come to pass at the same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. God always has a purpose in what he does, if nothing else than to let people know who's in charge. It's God. Good morning again to you all. Let's turn our Bibles. Uh, I think I'll have you turn them to uh, Revelation to begin with, chapter 19 and 20. Uh, but I won't get there immediately. Uh, just give me a moment to warm up here for you. We're in between series, as you know, in our uh, exposition of God's Word. I uh, finished the book of Philippians for now, uh, last week, and... Uh, had an opportunity to, as I often do between series, just have a message or two on various topics that are of interest or of contemporary need at the moment. And I thought that in light of the recent troubles in our world that uh, we might spend a little time not talking about trouble, not talking about, um, what can I say, why evil is in the world, you know, the problem of evil and all of that. We've done that before but rather to talk about the glories of the coming kingdom, to meditate on what God promises to do in the gospel of the kingdom so that we could persevere faithfully in the present. And I highlight that phrase, the gospel 
of the kingdom. Because as we've said before, the gospel is not just about you being saved. It is about you being saved, but it's about way more than that. It's about God being glorified by ruling in this world, in the kingdom age, and then in all eternity beyond that. It's about his people being restored to a place of fellowship and service to him. It's about the prosperity of God's people and so on. Many things that we're going to look at today, we're going to look at eight different glories of the kingdom that is coming. The troubles that we have experienced in our world have been a heavy weight to carry in our hearts. I know for myself it has been very, very, very troubling in these last days. You have the shootings in the last two weeks, you have the loss of life, you have the international scene going crazy, stupid things being done, evil things, destructive things, lives by the thousands being snuffed out, besides all of the other normal ongoing things that have been troubling us for years. We long for world peace and harmony amongst all peoples, safety for our children, the absence of violence, true and unbiased justice, pure and useful politics. I can't even believe those words could go together in uh, pure and useful politics, moral leadership, rich agriculture, economic freedom and opportunity. We long for prosperity and medical and technological advancements in the fight against cancer and the stability of international borders and the general flourishing of the human race. This is what we long for. We must remember, though, that the present afflictions are momentary, relatively light compared to the eternal and exceeding weight of glory that shall be revealed in the children of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Must keep that in mind. The troubles that you have, as difficult as they may be, the burdens that you're carrying, as difficult as they may be, Paul teaches us to consider them light and momentary. Light in weight, momentary in time, compared to the weight and the eternality of the glory that will follow, no wonder we'll be able to sing with those who are already in heaven that he has made us kings and priests to our God. He has redeemed us by his blood, brought us to himself. Despite the absence of that wonderful state of things now, today, the Christian uh, God promises and will deliver a kingdom on this earth which will put to shame even the best that the world has had to offer over the last 6,000 or more years. Christians will have the opportunity to share in the glory of Christ. When that glory is revealed, you will be revealed with him. One of God's purposes in saving us is that we would possess the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and share in that, which will be on display in a big way in the coming kingdom. Yet for now, we groan. We earnestly desire a better body. The whole creation groans under the weight of the curse due to sin. That's Romans 8. And awaits the full bodily redemption of God's people. When that happens, then the world will be under the control of moral and upright leaders. This will occur when Christ returns and inaugurates what we call, the, by the long name of it, the kingdom of the God of heaven. Daniel 2.44 says, God is going to bring a kingdom which shall not be destroyed, but it will destroy all previous kingdoms 
and it will grow, as he figures there, into a mountain that fills the earth, a mountain prefiguring a kingdom-like thing, and it will have its domination over the whole world. In effect, that kingdom then will endure forever as God works to transition that kingdom from time, we could say, from that period of time in history that we're going to look, look forward to just today, and he will transition that into the eternal state as he creates a new heaven and a new earth. And what we think of as heaven begins in that future period. Before heaven, though, is the kingdom age that will be unparalleled in blessing on this earth. And it will display at least these following eight glorious characteristics that we'll look at. I... I Just a kind of note, I tend to think of the rich blessing that we have observed and have participated in as Americans in the last, really, I mean, 200-plus years, but we could say in the last century, just to bring it a little closer to home, as a almost like a, a model, if you will, of what it will be like in the future, but not exactly. The condition of humanity has so elevated from, say, 500 years ago until the present, that same kind of elevation, only greater, will happen from where we are now to where we will be in the kingdom. You understand the prosperity that we experience now here will be worldwide, and it will be way more than that. The advancement, the medical, the the spiritual, all will be much greater. We're going to look at that just now. The chief glory of the coming kingdom is that Jesus Christ will reign openly and directly on the earth. Today, Christ reigns in his office as God the Son, but he does so through what we call normal providential means as he abides in heaven. He guides the churches by his word and his spirit whom he sent. He moves the hearts of kings and citizens. Remember, the heart of the king is in the hand of God. He permits evil as he sees fit, but he is hidden, isn't he, the Lord Jesus? At some point, however, he will make a second appearance on the earth and will reign openly as its king. Revelation 19, I had you turn to Revelation 19, verse 11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. John is describing the one that he saw in chapter 1 which is the Christ, the Son of Man. And it talks about him conquering his enemies, the beast and his army uh, defeated. His title is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's unmistakably the Son of God who is coming to reign on the earth. Then turn to Revelation 20, just another page later, perhaps in your Bible, verse number 4 and 6. The Scripture says, I saw... And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Judgment is a a word for ruling, for governing. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Drop down to verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection, Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. These verses are crystal clear. A multitude 
of people who died for Jesus' sake will reign with Christ for a thousand years. It says so twice, very clearly. The point I'm making here, though, is not so much that they will reign with Christ, the co-regency, we call it, of the saints with Christ, but that they will be serving beside their King and Savior. He will make them a kingdom of priests. Could I put it this way? He will make you a kingdom and priests to God, and, and they will reign. You will reign, Revelation 5, 10, with him. Let me just read that verse. This can kind of become abstract, and you think, well, that's for somebody else. No, that's for Christians. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Have you ever longed for a righteous rule to take over this world? For the corruption of politics, for the evil of tyrants to be done away? It shall be. At some point, God's people will even judge angels, 1 Corinthians 6.3. Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How, how is it then that the small matters in the church you can't handle? You need to have a little more wisdom. Uh, you know, Level up the wisdom and the maturity, folks. If we're going to be doing that, that's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 6. The future world will not be ruled by fools or tyrants, murderers or immoral people. It will be ruled by Christ and his people. Christ will have perfect saints reigning with him. Revelation 20, 2 Timothy, we will reign with him. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, 8, you don't have that, I think, in your copy of the notes there. It is in the copy online, but that text, Paul says, I, you know, would to God that we reigned with you. The Corinthians were kind of thinking like they're already there. They had this pride about them that said, you know, we're reigning in God's kingdom now. Paul said, oh, no, you're not. Just look at the world around you. You're not in a favored position in the world. The world hates Christians and their, how could we say, desire to have a righteous world. The world doesn't want a righteous world. They want a sinful world. They want a pleasure-filled, hedonistic world. They want an evil world. The devil wants a world of destruction and death, totally opposite of what we would love to have. So Paul tells the Corinthians, hey, settle down. <clears throat> You've got to wait until the kingdom comes. How do we know that uh, Christ will reign openly and directly? Well, we've talked about all this from Revelation 19 and 20, but there are other texts of Scripture that tell us the same. Not all in the New Testament either. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The glorious reign 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that, my friends. You remember that when times are tough. You remember that now when you know, evil seems to have the upper hand. It will not always be the case. And listen, we don't subscribe in this church to a false kind of triumphalism. Good versus evil and the good guy wins. We subscribe to a fully authoritative, fully inspired word from heaven called the Bible, which tells us what God is going to do. Tells us what he has done, tells us what he is doing, tells us what he will do. And we subscribe to that, and that's why we believe that these things will occur. Second, the second glory of the coming kingdom is the glory of peace. We don't have peace now. We have hatred, we have evil, we have all kinds of bad things. You may remember the famous scripture about nations, swords, and plowshares. Do you remember that? Made yet more famous in a well-known piece of music, isn't it? He shall judge, Micah 4 says, between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. Why? For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. You know, if the Lord Jesus were to return today, the hostilities in Ukraine would cease immediately. One look from his eye would solve the whole conflict right then and there. There will also be interpersonal, not just international, but interpersonal peace. The Sermon on the Mount will come to full flower and fulfillment. Enemies will be greatly reduced, and love for all will be greatly magnified. Remember, we're supposed to love our enemies. But the Lord calls us to do to others the kinds of things we want them to do for us. And during the kingdom, that will come to fulfillment. It will happen in great measure there. Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The glory of peace in the future kingdom. Not international war, not school shootings and all of that. Haggai 2.9, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. the third glory of the coming kingdom, the glory of the animal realm. I'll give a couple of verses there, but they, uh, they do overlap one another. This is always something that fascinates us, especially young children. Fascinates me too, frankly. I'm interested in seeing how it works out. But Isaiah 11, 6 to 9 says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. Now, this is not talking about heaven, per se, okay? This is talking about the kingdom on the earth when Christ reigns for a thousand years. Now, people often ask, well, what about animals in heaven? I don't see uh, big, you know, scripture passages that talk about that, but I suspect that God will have a glorious animal creation there in heaven for us to enjoy as well. We'll see. But certainly during this time on the earth in the kingdom age. Verse number 7, The cow and the bear shall graze, 
Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. I know the difference between straw and hay. I'm just reporting the translation here. That's actually an interesting translational issue. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. I saw, I didn't watch the video or read the article, but I just saw a headline and a little snippet of a video of a mother who was in panic chasing after her tiny child. The child saw a black bear and wanted to go hug the bear. Oh, poor mom. The child was just oblivious to the danger. Just a delightful thing to go hug a real teddy bear. Oh, whoops, not exactly. That will, be pro- that will be possible in the kingdom age in the future. Isaiah 65, 25 adds, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Listen, not with the lamb on the table and the wolf in the chair, okay? <laughs> the lion shall eat straw like the ox. There it is again. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The fourth glory of the coming kingdom. When Christ returns, there will be the glory of judgment upon evil. In many ways today, not everywhere, you know, don't lose heart totally, but not, there is a lot of evil. And there's a lot of calling good evil and evil good, and light darkness and darkness light, and bitter is swapped for sweet. Men and women are confused. How? But it will not be so in Christ's kingdom. Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Remember when he was in Gethsemane? Couldn't I call 12 legions of angels? Well, he held off then, but not in the future. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. And then skipping down a few verses, verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. People are not going to get away with evil forever, my friends. Just mark that in your book and remember it. You know, the most prosperous evil billionaires are going to come to their day of reckoning. They're going to die, and they're going to face judgment. So fret not yourself because of evildoers. Remember their end, as Asaph did in Psalm 73. The litmus test, as we know, is ultimately whether one trusts in Christ or not. This is evidenced by conduct that is favorable toward Christ and his people in the Matthew 25 passage, and a lack of trust is evidenced by the opposite. Zechariah chapter 5. You know, when I was studying this, there was a point at which I just had to stop and say enough. I can't go farther because there's too much. I'll never fit this in in the time allotted to me in the Sunday morning service. But do you see, I mean, we're drawing from New Testament and Old Testament passages, books, prophets, 
I mean, we could, I could go on and probably double the number of passages that I have here to give to you. It's amazing what God has promised in his coming kingdom. Zechariah 5, and he said to me, what do you see? So I answered, and again, we're in the, the, the glory of the judgment against sin. We've seen the glory of the direct rule of Christ. We've seen the glory of the animal kingdom. We've seen the glory of peace, and now the glory of the judgment upon evil. In Zechariah 5, very interesting portion, it says, God asking Zechariah here, in effect, he's, what do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and its width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Again, this is in that day, in the future kingdom. Every thief shall be expelled according to this side of the scroll, and every perjurer shall be expelled according to the other side of the scroll. Thieves and liars will not be uh, tolerated in this future kingdom. Boy, if we could just get rid of all thieves and liars right now. You know, in heaven there is no place for thieves and liars. Those people who make a practice of lying are called liars. Those people who have made a practice of stealing are called thieves. And those are clear, clearly Ten Commandments that uh, have been broken. And if you do not keep those, then you are worthy of death, the Bible says, plus all the others. Verse 4, I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts, it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timber and stones. Oh, it appears to be some kind of supernatural judgment against evil here. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but uh, because the sentence of against evil is not executed speedily today, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. In that day, there's not going to be a long delay between uh, injustice and the fixing of that injustice, we'll say. It will be dealt with swiftly. Number five, the glory of the world knowing God. The glory of the world knowing God. The moral and spiritual condition of the world will be greatly improved. Isaiah 11, 9. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Frankly, today, the knowledge of God is sprinkled here and there, and some people know it, and many people are clueless. They evidence it in their conduct. Jeremiah 31, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Isn't that what you do today? with your siblings, with your aunts and uncles, with your friends at work and family members? What are you saying to them when you evangelize them? Know the Lord. You've got to know the Lord. But that won't be necessary under the new covenant conditions in Israel, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Beyond that, people will desire to worship and obey God in the future kingdom. Micah 4 promises this, It shall come to pass in the latter days 
that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains. It will be like the most prominent place. And shall be exalted above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, here's what they say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Do you understand that? Today people don't care to go to visit with God. Forget Jerusalem. We have 100,000 people around this community that don't care to come to the church and hear from the voice of God spoken from the word of God. He will teach us his ways. Look at the desire that they have. Let's go up to Jerusalem and worship. Where does that desire come from? It's got to come from God. God, by his spirit, works in a tremendous way to change people's hearts, to want to worship him instead of to worship themselves. Number six, the glory of physical and economic prosperity. We just have a couple more of these to go. Hang in there. First of all, under the glory of physical and economic prosperity, we have the world, the natural world will be renewed. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Isaiah 35 says, It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. What was the land of Israel like when Israel went in there after the Exodus? Remember how they described it? It was a land of flowing with Milk and honey. Thank you, Jackson. Today you look at the land, and it's very hard to work that land. It's become in some many places a desert. Why? God's judgment. The curse will be greatly lifted during this future time in the kingdom, and the the productive power of the earth that God has built into that earth will be on full display. Can you imagine if your garden grew like the dandelions grow? If, if all of your plants would come up and be twice the size that they are and bear four times the amount of fruit? That's what it's going to be like. The wilderness will become a blossoming field full of flowers. Secondly, humanity will flourish. Those who are in fear will be strengthened. Isaiah 35 again, as I just walked through that passage. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are fearful-hearted. Anybody out there fearful-hearted these days? Fearful to send your kids off to wherever? Fearful to go out at all? Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and he will save you. Those who are disabled will be healed in this future kingdom, Isaiah 35. Remember the Lord told John the Baptist, this is happening right now, and it will happen in the future when the king returns. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Agriculture will be very fruitful, Isaiah 35, 6 and 7. Water shall burst forth in the wilderness. Streams in the desert, the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. 
In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Amos 9.13, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him who sows seed. Now, it might sound bad to you, but it's actually a good sign. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and the hills shall also flow with it. What's happening is the, the people picking the, the, the fruit have so much fruit to pick, they're taking too long. And the plowman comes behind him and says, make way, I've got to plow the ground to plant the next season's material. It's so much fruit. People will be safe from being misled and from the danger of animals on their way to Messiah in Jerusalem. Isaiah 35, 8 and 10 says, a highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. Would to God that we could have a highway of holiness today. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. It will, it will be a, a safe place, even for those that aren't very well informed. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Maybe you'll be interested in this one. Perk up. The length of life will be greatly increased. Isaiah 65, 20. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days. Infant mortality will be a thing of past remembrance. Nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days, for the child shall die 100 years old. But the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. Indication there that life span and longevity will be greatly enhanced. The injustice and distress of war will also be gone under the heading of economic and physical prosperity. Isaiah 65, 21, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall the days be of my people. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. You ever thought about that? The work you do is temporary work. You fix up your house, you plant a garden, you do a job, and by the time you die, the house dilapidates, the garden is gone, the work that you did maybe doesn't last, your reputation disappears, it's all temporary. My elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. The work that they do now will not be burned up tomorrow, it will not be stolen from them the next day. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble, for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. The people of Israel will not require the chastisement of God, which they've experienced in the past. Why? Because they'll be faithful. And that's the seventh, the glory of a restored and faithful Israel. Deuteronomy 28 says, The Lord will open to you His good treasure of the heavens to give you rain on your land in its season to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord our God. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains, exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. And the people will come and say, Let us go to the, house of, the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways. And we will walk in his paths. That's a parallel to the Micah 4 passage. 
For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. What else can I tell you? I've got about five or six more sections of Scripture here. I didn't reproduce all those in your notes. It was too much. But uh, God promises Israel will never depart from before him. Amos 9 says they will build the waste cities and inhabit them. All of that stuff Israel will do. Isaiah 65 18, be glad and rejoice in what I create, for I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Isaiah 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. New Testament adds this. Have they, Israel, stumbled so that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, what and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Romans 11.25, I do not desire, brothers, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Maybe you don't understand why this is so glorious to me. Could I help you? The nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, one of the most put-upon places on the earth, one of the most hated now. Many, many, many of the decrees of the United Nations are against the nation of Israel, even today, more than any other nation. What have they done? They've been Jews, that's the problem. They've been God's people, that's the problem. Of course, now they're not believing in God, largely, to a large extent, but they should. But this is why they're hated, because they have had a a way, an office of representing the God of the universe to the earth. And so this is marvelous because they will be set up and Jerusalem will be the center focus of the King of Kings, his place where he reigns from, and the world will flow to it instead of, instead of criticizing them all the time, instead of hating on them all the time. This is why it's so glorious. Thus the world will know that God is the Lord. I don't desire that you be ignorant of this mystery, Brothers, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Why is it that God has designed that they should be set aside for now? Because God is focused on the salvation of Gentile people, most of us here today, and the church around the world. All Israel, however, will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. And he will, re- he will turn on, away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Finally, glory number eight, from the chief glory of the reign of Christ openly and directly on the earth through the animal kingdom and physical and economic prosperity and the flourishing of the human race, you will finally have the glory of bodily resurrection. Ezekiel 37, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, speaking to Israel, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Do you understand what this means? That in the future kingdom, you, if you die, will be resurrected and be able to speak with King David, who is resurrected from the grave, that you can speak to somebody who is dead. That's glorious. 
John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. 1 Corinthians 15, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Jeremiah 30, verse 9, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Job 19, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Well, focus on those glories, my friend, of what's coming, of what God has promised, because that will carry you through the difficult times in good measure. And all this sounds very wonderful, doesn't it? We look forward to this time in world history. We would desperately want to be involved, I hope. I hope. Or are you so tied down to this earth that you don't have any hope for that future glory of which we have spoken? But unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God of which we speak. No unrepentant sinner can live or reign with Christ that's what we have now in this world. Why, do we, why would we want more of what we have now? It's a mess. You must believe and be born again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That kingdom, which we've been talking about this morning and all of its glories, is the kingdom that's coming. And unless you're born again and have a faith relationship with Christ, you're not going. I hope you will be there. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I, I ask that you would take these words of encouragement and strength and help our hearts with them. We've, we live in dark times, as has been the case since after the fall, and special, especially in certain dark times in world history. And I pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us with these glories, the glories of Christ reigning and all the blessings that come with that simply because he's here with us on the earth at that time. Help us to live as citizens of that kingdom, recognizing that the glories of that future and the values of it pull back into this age and guide us as to how we're to live too. In Jesus' name, amen.